Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Hey, I've been saying for a while that I wanted to do a segment on the metaverse and that uh, we would title it The Metaverse for Dummies. I, of course, the dummy in chief. I have the right guy to lead this conversation in Matthew Ball. His book is titled The Metaverse and How It Will Revolutionize Everything. He's the CEO of Apelion and former global head of strategy for Amazon Studios. Matthew, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Let me tell you what, what, or more specifically, who you're dealing with. I am 60. I am Mac-dependent, iPhone-dependent, active on social media. I'm not a Luddite, uh, but my metaverse knowledge is limited to having read your book and put on the Oculus to play miniature golf and throw darts with my sons, Okay. Mm-hmm. I know more about Blockbuster than blockchain there. So dumb it down for me and for my audience. You say Metaverse is a successor to the mobile Internet. How so? So 
To answer such a complex question, we actually need to start by being a bit technical. We often forget what the Internet is. That's partly a reflection of its success. We don't need to think about an Internet speed or a modem, the sounds we had in the 90s connecting. But what the Internet is, is a series of a few dozen standards. That is to say, common technologies, like we might say metric or the U.S. dollar, which enable the wide-ranging share of information, no matter the device, the network, the country, the application, the software. However, all of that framework works primarily for 2D content and for separated experiences. An email is not something you and I collaborate on. We instead relay it back and forth. And so when we're talking about the metaverse, we're talking about elevating the Internet from 2D to 3D, and from independent experiences to a shared one. The reason why we talk about it as a successor to the mobile internet is we would say that the mobile internet is not wholly distinct from the internet of the 90s, but we observe it as being different. New devices, new experiences, new business models, new companies. In the book, you say the metaverse is often misdescribed as gaming or entertainment industry based, but it is being driven by video gaming. That's quite right. When we're talking about shared 3D experiences, we typically think of those as being video games because that's the most common shared 3D experience. And indeed, many of the underlying technologies for the metaverse are coming from gaming. Now, most of the economic opportunity is not gaming related. Goldman Sachs, McKinsey, KPMG, Citibank, Morgan Stanley, estimate that the value of the metaverse by the end of this decade will be between two and a half and $16 trillion, a large range, but all significant. Most of that comes from industrial application, self-driving cars, healthcare. There are global airports that are running on game engines to determine which gate is used, which plane takes off from which tarmac. But it's coming from gaming because over the last 50, 60 years, Simulation, graphics simulation, has not been good enough for nearly anything other than leisure. Pong works, yes. Space Invaders, Legend of Zelda, Mario Kart. It's really only in the last five to ten years that those technologies have become so sophisticated, even Johns Hopkins University will use it for live spinal surgery. Why do you say that the metaverse is still only a theory? So it's an interesting question. At the end of the day, there's no discrete answer to when does an era begin? When did mobile begin? We had the first mobile networks in 1973, the first smartphone 1992, the first digital wireless network in 1991. For most people, they didn't ever get a smartphone until after 2014 globally. And so we don't have a clear answer as to when any of these eras emerge. But while we have a lot of 3D experiences, what we don't have is the return to the tar start of this conversation. Standards that support not just our own private 3D, but 3D experiences which span countless networks and parties. That process is in formation right now. Companies such as Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA are all partnering to establish those standards. But until we have them, we're talking about an Internet rather than able to experience one. 
in the book at the beginning of chapter three. Here then is what I mean when I write and speak about the metaverse, a massively scaled, interoperable network of real-time rendered 3D virtual worlds that can be experienced synchronously, there we go, and persistently by an effectively unlimited number of users with an individual sense of presence and with continuity of data, such as identity, history, entitlements, objects, communications, and payments. What's the Note version of that? Talk to a stranger who knows nothing about the metaverse. How do you explain what this is? The reductive way is to talk about a de facto parallel plane of existence, which occurs in virtual space. It is, to use the hackneyed term, a second life or a third space in a virtual plane where we can all be, we all coexist, and which has memory. Rather than today's video games, for those of you listening who have played them, you go in for 20 minutes, five minutes, an hour, five hours, and what has happened has been forgotten. Or what has happened is just for you. Or what has happened is just for you and a few chums. But what we're talking about is a consistent, continuous part of our lives. Something else that I I appreciated after reading your book is that the development of the development of the metaverse, the way in which multimedia conglomerates are driving this development is totally at odds with the way the Internet came to be. That's quite right. We often forget not just how the Internet works, but its origination. The Internet is a de facto public good. We have to pay to connect to it because there's a service provider, but there's no Internet corporation. No one charges you to send an email. No one says you can or cannot have a website. And that's because the Internet was developed for nonprofit purposes by government, the U.S. government. It was not designed to sell a widget, collect a byte of data, or present an ad. It was designed for collaboration between public research institutions, government labs, and military facilities. And that is why the Internet has been such a widely positive technology that spreads everywhere, rebirthing companies, bringing a voice to the marginalized. The challenge here is that over the last 30 years, the Internet has necessarily and naturally commercialized. And as we take a look at the metaverse, it lacks the aforementioned developmental attributes I mentioned. It is not coming from public research labs. It is not being built for human collaboration. It is being built by for-profit conglomerates to sell a thing, to collect a thing, and to show you an ad. And that's going to have profound impacts. This is Matthew Ball. The book is called The Metaverse and How It Will Revolutionize Everything. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. 
you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive. Then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. This is Matthew Ball. The book is called The Metaverse and how it will revolutionize everything. You say it's too early to determine what a day in the life looks like, but still later in the book, you run through the future in terms of education, lifestyle, businesses, entertainment, even sex. Give me some tangible examples. For example, education. What can you envision the metaverse bringing to the world of education? So we have to take stock of some of the challenges with education. We say that the Internet's flag day is in 1983. That's just where we say, let's say the birthday is here. In the 40 years since, the single sector of the U.S. economy, which has seen the greatest cost increases, is education, 1,400%. Healthcare is only half as much, and it's still crippling. And that's because in education, we've not seen productivity improvements relating to technology. We don't teach faster than before. We don't teach more students effectively per educator than ever before, and we don't use fewer resources. We have long expected that the Internet would transform education. We'd go to on-demand videos and multiple choice. That Harvard would have an online school that would have all of the imprimatur and educational benefits of its in-person experience. That hasn't happened. And what we've instead learned is the inadequacies of distance and online education. And that's because what you lose by losing the classroom, a teacher, your peer beside you, eye contact, tactility, immersion, all matters. I don't believe that the metaverse or virtual reality will ever supplant for the classroom. It need not ever do so, but the technologies now allow us to make real the magic school bus, and that's already being deployed, where you can learn about a volcano in physics, not through paper mache and baking soda and vinegar, but by constructing one, by being expelled into the atmosphere and raining down with carbon. You can travel the circulatory system of a cat or pig or frog rather than just dissect one. 
This has experiential improvements, distance improvements. It has cost improvements. And most importantly, it liberates high quality education from purely being available to those who live in rich school boards. I mean, presumably it's not going to be a heavy headset like an Oculus. Maybe it's it's going to be as, as light and thin as my glasses that I'm wearing right now. But whatever my means of access, just to stick with education for a moment, you referenced Harvard. I can be in a 3D environment in a lecture hall listening to the brightest minds available on a particular subject of my choice. And when that dissection takes place, I'm right there at the table. And if it's a volcano, hell, you can you can drop me inside of it, right? All those things become possible. That's quite right. Now, the truth is, we don't need a virtual reality headset for the metaverse for 3D. There's about a half billion people daily who go into complex 3D environments. On a monthly basis, we're at about 1.2 to 1.4 billion. Now we're doing that with iPads and with video game consoles and PCs. That's likely to be the case for quite some time. This is why Facebook is spending so much money. The technology and the technical problems we have yet to solve to go into lightweight wearables is extraordinary. But the more important thing is actually not to think about reproducing your boardroom, your office, nor even a Harvard seminar. It's actually to look beyond that and say the point of going to Harvard is not to sit in a classroom. It is to be immersed in an educational environment, to be there beside other learners and to have proximity to the educator. That's what worries me the most, though, about this. Here, skipping ahead in your book, quote, with that in mind, what is sex experienced through an ultrasonic force field, or when five, 100, or 10,000 concurrent users combine to construct some form of real-time rendered mixed reality orgy rather than a concert or battle royale. When I read that, it kind of brought home for me the concern that I have that this is going to compound the problem that I think we already have with with so many young people that they're not living life experiences the way uh, you know I did when I was younger, but rather they're constructing them behind closed doors and not having human interaction. And I worry that the metaverse is going to exponentially make them detached and not interactive in the way that maybe you just said or perhaps I misunderstood. So I think that's a valid concern, and I don't want to create a false dilemma. I love the outdoors. I used to be a national forest firefighter in Canada. I lived in a tent in bogs. I'm as much of an advocate for social collaboration outdoors and physical activity as anyone. But I think what is important is to separate that while this is not a false dilemma, we should be practical about Americans and species now, which is to say we are a television species. There are 300 million Americans who watch, if you can believe it, five and a half hours of television every day. Three quarters of that time is done alone. Nearly all of it is done sedentary. Hollywood actually talks about TV, as though this is positive, as a lean-back medium, a disengaged, solitary, sedentary environment that we spend one and a half billion hours doing every day. We should consider How can we be more engaged and active in society with our friends outdoors? But we should not ignore that the primary thing that we do when we are not working or sleeping or eating is TV by ourselves. 
Yeah, I get it, Matthew. But I, I grew up playing street hockey in the neighborhood with kids who live next door to me. I, I have sons who are, are playing Oculus games with individuals in Ukraine who they'll never even meet. And I, I OK, so I understand that's more human interaction than if they were just on a sofa. But it's still not as good as it could be. I think that's fair. I'm, look, we could also make the strong argument that that rapport builds empathy and understanding in a global community of some significance. Your neighbor has many definitions. It's not just physical proximity. It's humanitarian. The Ukraine example may be an exaggerated one of that. But I do think that looking at this holistically, how can the metaverse be better than the Internet we know it today? How can we use a reset point for interaction to reevaluate screen time and physical engagement? All of these things are important. Final comment, uh, a headline. This doesn't come from your book, but I clipped it in anticipation of you being here. Interpol launches first global police Metaverse, Dateline, New Delhi, India, as advances in public safety technology progress, law enforcement officials around the world are weighing in on the advantages and challenges of officers stepping into the virtual reality metaverse. Just another indication to me of of how this is going to be the space of the future. I don't know quite how else to say it, including needing to be policed. Final thought from you. Look, I can tell you all of the experts I know can't make a lick of sense as to what exactly this Interpol announcement means. If they're talking about cybercrime, then certainly these new virtual environments and a shared Internet will involve new forms of it. Not necessarily just crime, but also just unhappiness, the role of algorithms, platform power. These are many concerns. But in this environment, they're talking about creating a virtual environment to police. It's a little bit like saying Interpol has created a playground where if you and I go, they'll monitor behavior. I don't think anyone wants that. It doesn't seem to serve much of a purpose. Hey, Matthew, I really enjoyed your book. I learned things and I appreciate your willingness to come here and discuss it. So thank you for that. Thank you. Matthew Ball's book is called The Metaverse and How It Will Revolutionize Everything. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.